Hi, I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Cape Up. Two years ago, I sat down with Congresswoman Maxine Waters to talk about her lonely call for impeachment of President Trump. Well, now it's happening. As chair of the House Financial Services Committee, Waters is in the middle of it. We talk about the process going forward, what's at stake, and why white men are asking to take pictures with her. Find out more about that right now. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, thank you for coming back to the podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Actually, let me correct myself. Yes. Chairwoman oh, Maxine yes, Waters, that welcome, is back to correct. The pod- thank welcome back you. to the podcast. You're now the chair- chairwoman of the Financial Services that Committee, correct? absolutely correct. So when last we spoke, you were one of the first, and if not the first member of Congress to call for the impeachment of President Trump, and you were out there pretty much by yourself. And and when you were on the podcast two years ago, you said, and I quote, why would we let somebody like Trump, a con man, come in here and turn it all upside down with his lies and his disrespect? And so I personally feel very strongly about this, and I'm going to keep working until he's impeached. Wow. Well, here we are. <laughs> yes, we're closer and closer uh, to the real possibility of impeachment. Uh, Closer and closer to the real possibility of impeachment on a scale of one to 10, 10 being he's definitely going to be impeached. Where are we? About number seven. Number seven. Yes. What what do you need to get through steps eight, nine, and 10? Well, I think, uh, first of all, we have a number of things that we have to do. Uh, Fortunately, we now have almost all of the members of the caucus on board. That's extremely important. And you know, Nancy Pelosi, uh, the leader, um, flipped. And uh, she is providing the leadership on moving toward this impeachment. We have six committees that have been involved in investigations. We will continue to do our work, and we will be working together to try and determine uh, the articles of impeachment. Uh, Meanwhile, we think it is very important for us to get a certain kind of input uh, about what people feel about the articles. But what's emerging is this latest shock, this latest scandal about the president and his attempting to leverage the power of the office of the presidency to get dirt on Biden from the president of the Ukraine is at the top of the agenda. Mm-hmm. Let me, because I do want to talk about Ukraine, but you were just talking a moment ago about Speaker Pelosi flipped. Yes, yes. What changed? Because she, I just, I had interviewed her earlier in, in September, and she, I didn't ask her about impeachment, but it was pretty clear that she was not going down that route. And now here we are. Was there something in particular that changed? Well, I, I don't know if it was one thing, but I do know a growing number uh, of members of her house were coming on board each day. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. And of course, the president, in his own way, um, continued uh, to make outrageous statements uh, leading into this latest scandal. And I think all of that had something to do with Nancy Pelosi saying, we cannot avoid the word anymore, that we have to really move forward to talk about impeachment. Well, now, let's talk about Ukraine, because I do think 
that unlike the the Russia investigation, which was complex and very hard for people to follow or even understand, what we're talking about with Ukraine is so it, it's easy. What what is it about the Ukraine story that made moving impe- moving on impeachment easier, if not a no brainer for your colleagues? Well, you know, one of the things that happened was the president himself said that he had had the conversation with the president of Ukraine. Uh, And it's easy to understand when you look at this particular incident, hearing him and Juliana talk about the fact uh, that they were interacting with the president of Ukraine and others, uh, it's easy to understand when you say he appeared to be leveraging the power of the presidency and holding out on foreign affairs that was due to go to the Ukraine in exchange for a commitment from the president uh, that he would work with him on that investigation. And so people kind of get that. And don't forget, he's done enough now for people to kind of understand who this character is. Even though they may not have come out for him in impeachment, the stories about him, his lies, uh, his undermining people, uh, basically a man of flawed character who is capable of these kinds of things. It was absolutely believable now. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned Mayor Giuliani, who yes. is former mayor of New York, yes. who is the president's personal lawyer. That's right. He's not a, he's not a federal employee. He's not a, an employee of the of the executive branch. Um, how unusual is it? that someone who is not on the executive staff playing such a central role like this. Is that, is that illegal or just untraditional? It is not illegal, not because it has not been legally put together by the Congress of the United States in terms of formal, uh, uh, public policy. The Constitution never envisioned anything like this. You know what I'm saying? And you can't envision everything, but who would have thought that a president of the United States would use his personal lawyer, disregard all of his cabinet, all of his uh, staff, disregard all of his foreign advisor, and cut deals? And basically, this is what he did using Giuliani as his spokesperson to interact with the president of the Ukraine and the president of the Ukraine's advisors. And so, yes, this is highly unusual. And again, the Constitution never envisioned anything like this. As a matter of fact, I see room for a whole new body of law that must be created to fill the gaps and the loopholes that this president has opened up using his presidential power. Have you had a chance to read the whistleblower's complaint? We did. Um, How shocked were you? Well, I may not have been as shocked as others because I had identified this flawed character a long time ago as being capable of doing almost anything. (laughs) And when I looked at his past and the way that he had cheated folks, contractors who had worked for him, the way that he had denied African-Americans access to rentals that he and his father owned, the -hmm. way that he had a fake university where he took money from unsuspecting people that wanted to become developers, all of this, you know, I understood exactly who he was. So I wasn't shocked. As a matter of fact, I may have been more saddened than anything else. Saddened because? Saddened because we had come to a point in America, 
where we had the president, the leader of our country, who was capable of doing what was now made known to all of us because of the facts that emerged about his attempts to get dirt on his opponent, his political opponent, and use his personal lawyer and involve the attorney general, who had already demonstrated he'd do anything. And so I was saddened that we're in a point in time where we have to deal with this, that this has really happened, that this has really happened with the president. Just, I'm talking about the president well, of that's the United why, Well, States. that's why I was yes. asking if you were surprised, because it's one thing to know his character and, <laughs> and all of these things. And yeah. I, too, in that regard, was not surprised. Yes. But when you view, when you read the whistleblower's complaint, with the eye of knowing that, leave aside the character, this is the president of the United uh, States that's right. doing this. That's right. I remember. That's what's yes. shocking to well, me. Well, I remember saying, "Wow!" I remember saying that uh, as I was reading it with um, with Rakia here. I remember saying, "Oh my goodness!" You know, because it hit you right in the face uh, that the words were there that this is what had happened. This is what has been done, and he can't even deny. They can try and spin it any way that they want, but they cannot deny that he's already admitted that he had the conversation and that he had asked about Biden. He'd asked about creating an investigation. I mean, so it's on the record, not only from him, but from all of the others who heard this or experienced him in a number of actions that he's taken that they thought were dangerous and urgent to get known. So you're the chair of the Financial Services Committee, which is one of the six committees that have been looking into, um, well, one of the six impeachment committees, um, as the speaker uh, announced when she said there's an impeachment inquiry. Talk about the work you've been doing uh, on financial services with regard to, um, well, is it fair to call it impeachment investigation or investigations into Russia? we We have been involved in investigations. They were not considered exactly impeachment investigations. We've formalized that inquiry now so that that really is what it is. Because you've been looking, you've been trying to get records from Deutsche Bank yes, and, and others. Yes, I uh, My staff and I uh, identified a relationship with Deutsche Bank early on. We knew a lot of things. Uh, first of all, we knew that they were the only bank in the country that would lend him money. Uh, We also knew that Deutsche Bank had a reputation as a money laundering bank. We also knew that uh, in addition to the president, they had loaned money to other members of the family. We also knew that the president had sued Deutsche Bank, and in spite of the suit, they still loaned him money. And when we took a look at the fact that, again, that he'd been loaned money from Deutsche Bank, and they were a money laundering bank, and there were these relationships, we said, let's take a look. And we started to take a look, and that's what we're doing. And, you know, we've subpoenaed the records mm-hmm. from Deutsche Bank. His lawyers are fighting us mightily. Uh, and uh, because they fought us, it took us a long time to get into court uh, for the judge to determine whether or not they had to comply with the subpoena. And we did get that ruling, mm-hmm. and we won on that. And then the next thing was preparation for hearing on the merits of the case. And, of course, uh, between uh, the judges' vacations and other things, uh, it has been delayed. And so now we're waiting on a final decision 
uh, from the judges about several things. And and so when you say the records and several things, is yes. one of them about the president's tax returns? Yes, uh, because we we do know that there are some uh, tax returns information in Deutsche Banks of some of the members of the Trump family. And so, so you're you're trying to get the tax returns, yes. you're trying to get uh, other financial information from the president. Um, when you were interviewed on CNN recently, um, as people are trying to figure out, like, how is this impeachment inquiry yes. going to work? And yes. you said, when you talk about Russia, you have to bring in Ukraine. Can you talk that through? Because I think that was in the context of the fact that before the announcement of the impeachment inquiry, your work has all been about um, the president and Russia um, how does Ukraine factor? Well, as you know, Manafort, who... Paul Manafort, the former chairman yes, of the campaign. the former chairman of the campaign, worked for Ukraine. He had a contract uh, with the disgraced president, ex-president of the Ukraine. And that ex-president was tied to Putin and Russia. And so we saw that connection, and we saw the connection between not only Manafort and Putin, but Flynn uh, and oh, others, Flynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Papadopoulos and a lot of them. We could see that, and we put together what we call the Kremlin clan. It's on my uh, tweet page, and we show their faces and we put their names. Uh, and so it's hard not to talk about Ukraine because of this relationship uh, of Russia, Ukraine. They invaded Crimea. He wants to take all of that back. He wants the Ukraine. As a matter of fact, I think he believes he can reunite the old Soviet Union. You're Putin. talking about Putin. Uh-huh. That's right. Absolutely. So, uh, as you know, President Obama placed sanctions on Russia because of that uh, uh, violation of the treaty going into uh, and basically uh, invading uh, the C- Crimea. And so you, um, that's right. You cannot talk about Russia without talking about Ukraine because of the relationships that they have. So in financial services, what, are, what will be the articles of impeachment you'll contribute to the effort? I'm not sure. Uh, as a matter of fact, that Are you is. Sure? Uh, you know, that people is can't a, see because I'm looking at you. You give me that look of like, well, I could tell that you. That is but our I can't. responsibility to come up with it, and we have met, you know, at least two times now. We're going to continue to meet. We're going to meet uh, during the break because here's what's going to really happen: the six committees will all have some ideas based on the investigation, maybe, and well, and absolutely some thoughts about what should be. And we're going to honestly evaluate what we have, where the facts are the hardest, and uh, what should be in articles of impeachment. We want the strongest articles of impeachment that we could possibly put together. And it could be that one of these committees might end up with two or three things that will fit in and will help to make it a strong uh, resolution. It could be that may each of us may end up with one. So we don't know which of these will end up actually in the articles of impeachment. Oh, right now, from where you said, how many do you think you might propose? I wish I could tell you, but remember, 
I've been in this a long time, and having been in it a long time, I have strong thoughts about all kinds of things. For example, I believe that Cohen, who is in prison doing time— Michael Cohen. Mm -hmm. Michael Cohen, his former attorney, um, is doing time because he carried out the wishes of Trump and he paid the bribe money to the porn star. I mean, you know, to me— uh, for, for Cohen to be in prison and the president not to be impeached because this is one of the things that he has done, uh, just is absolutely ridiculous. So I feel strongly about that. I feel strongly about the fact that he refused to give his tax returns. Uh, I feel strongly about uh, the fact that we saw in the Mueller report that that was real obstruction of justice. He gave us enough information for that and the firing of Comey. Uh, and so I think that's extremely important. I think that he's a danger uh, to our relationship with other countries in the way that he backed out of the JP, JPCOA agreement with Iran. Right, the Iran uh, nuclear deal. Yeah, and then also the Paris Agreement. You know what I'm saying? Arbitrarily uh, coming to these decisions without the benefit of uh, the advice of those people around him, who some of whom advised him not to do that, the secret meetings he's had with Putin, the secret meetings he's had with Kim Jong-un of North Korea. So, you know, I have a lot going on in my head about all of the things that I think, even with the Washington Post saying they have documented the thousands of lies that he's told. So you're you know saying, saying, so all the things you just <laughs> mentioned, you're thinking that, you know, these could possibly be in the resolution for the articles of impeachment. But we're not pulling out of the all of this. I was going to say, <laughs> pulling out of the Paris Climate <laughs> Accord right, is one of them. That's right, that's right, that's right. But you're mm-hmm. tough. Um, <laughs> but can we talk about, about how this process is going to work? Your former colleague, who's now a colleague of mine at the paper, former Congresswoman Donna Edwards, had an op-ed in the paper where she basically says that the idea of having six separate committees doing this work is is bananas. And what she says is that it should be one chairman, one lawyer asking questions. Do you agree? Well, I, th- I think she does not really understand uh, you know, what uh, is being done and how it's being done. It is not six separate committees doing this work. It is six committees who have been involved in investigations for some period of time who are going to put all of their information on the table with the speaker and come out with the articles of impeachment that will be turned over to the Judiciary Committee. And then the Judiciary Committee will do what the Constitution says they should do. They're the ones who will go through the uh, articles of impeachment and vote on it and decide, uh, you know, whether or not it should be voted out of their committee. Okay, so yes. so so the impeachment six committees yes. come together, put all yes, the stuff on right. the table that's with right. the speaker, yes. and then the the, the proposed resolution yes. goes to the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, right. which is Congressman that's Nadler right. of, New, right. of, of New York. That's right. Then is there a are there hearings yes. on those on yes. those articles yes yes witnesses called yes. in and mm-hmm. they so, do the work mm-hmm. the, the, so the judiciary that, committee judiciary yeah. committee yeah. does the work that's right and then it goes it, it, it goes to a vote in the committee uh-huh. and then, then to goes the floor. then goes to the floor and then it goes to the senate i mean right now 
the Democratic caucus has gone over the magic number mm-hmm. of 218 of That's people it. who say in some form or another yes. they would favor an yes. in, 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 impeachment of, right. of the president. How quickly is this going to happen? Because a lot of people think that because the 2020 election season is upon us, that it doesn't, like, how is this going to fit? How quickly is this process going to move? Well, um, we're all committed to moving this process very quickly. And the further away from the election it, it is, the better it is. You know, getting into the elections at the same time that you're doing the impeachment is confusing. And we don't want that kind of confusion. So we're going to move quickly. Quickly, meaning before Thanksgiving, before Halloween? Quickly. <laughs> <laughs> quickly. What do you think? Let me put you, okay. have you put your hat on and see if you can give us an insight as to what you think the other side of this building, because we're in your office, uh, we're, yes. we're at the Rayburn yes. building, but the people, the folks on the other side of the Capitol in the Senate, what do you think Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is going to do? Well, here's what, and let me uh, take you back through, again, uh, all of the many hours and days I've had to think about this and why I resisted the thinking of so many who said to start impeachment proceedings is useless because the Senate will never, ever uh, impeach the President of the United States. I've never believed that if you have concrete information, if you have connected the dots, if you have certain facts— that you cannot get members on the on the opposite side of the aisle and the Senate to change their minds. I just left the floor with a member, a Republican member, who whispered in my ear, "Don't stop. You go ahead and you get him." He said, "Do you remember who I am? You remember we walked together when we went to a rally after 9/11?" He said, "And I tell everybody, I have the greatest respect for you, and I understand what you're doing. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing what you're doing." <laughs> I mean, th- that's incredible. But does it not make you want to scream that this Republican member won't go to the microphones and say that publicly? Of course, I, that's extremely frustrating and disappointing. But I think we are coming to a point where they're going to have to. Many of them are going to have to. Whether we're talking about Republicans in this House or we're talking about U.S. senators, I believe that this Ukraine scandal is a tipping point and that uh, many of them are going to have to live up to the facts that this president of the United States has disgraced us, that he has misused the uh, office of the presidency, uh, that he is corrupt and that he's dangerous, and that they're going to have to move. But really? Yeah, I, I, mean, I believe how, that. How, every, for the last two and a half years, yes. there have been moments yeah, where I and a whole lot of other people would think, okay, now's the time. Now is the time uh, Republicans are going to come out and you know stand on those principles they've been lecturing us about for decades. And criticize this president, and nothing happens. And even with the Ukraine yeah. bombshells that we've been dealing yeah. with for yeah. more than a week, and still, there, 
folks are whispering in your ear, but they yes. won't go to the microphones and do it. I know. And like I said, it is frustrating, uh, but also connected to what is happening is the fact that what this president is doing and the conversation he's having with the president of Ukraine is interfering with the next election. Now, and I think with some of them, they were able to, you know, try and put behind us what supposedly happened, they say, in the last election. And because he was the president of the United States, well, he's the president now. And we're not going to, you know, impeach him, get rid of him. But now they're talking about doing it again in a different way. But doing it again, interfering with the election for 2020. And I think that rings a bell also. It rings a bell. <laughs> but they're not going to do anything. I mean, you, so you've, been here, you've yes. been here a long time. Yes. And I may have asked you yes. this question before. Yeah. But I, I'll ask okay. it again. Are you shocked or surprised? Or just give me your view of the state of the Republican Party where we are right now. Yes, yes. Well, I I, I have to admit to you that I thought that we would have been able uh, to draw out the so-called patriotism that they claim uh, so mightily uh, and have some of them stand up to be counted. I never thought uh, that it would last this long, but I've always believed that we would eventually get there. And yes, uh, again, that's disappointing. Uh, it's lasted longer than I thought it would last. I do know that it's on their minds, and I do know some of them are quaking in their boots. Many of them who thought they needed this president for their own reelections, others who could not break out of the crowd, uh, because I know uh, they're talking about it in groups, uh, but the groups, you know, are reinfor- reinforcing each other. Uh, but uh, despite my disappointment, and despite the fact that I think it's lasted too long, we're going to get there. Where is it there? Which which part? Impeachment. I was like, wait, a Republican coming out and saying this? He's a he's a bad dude. (laughs) Impeachment. Impeachment. Um, How do you? Well, what do you say to those folks? Because Democrats, as you know, are you know, which is Democrats always nervous about everything. So the Democrats who say, okay, great, you impeach him but he's not convicted, meaning removed from office. And so now you're just emboldening the guy. Now you, you, he's impeached, but then you're basically helping him get reelected. Is that, a, is that a, a reasonable fear? Well, I'm always um, cautious and not swayed by certain kind of speculation, and particularly when it's speculation about failure and speculation about what's not going to happen. I'm a can-do person, and I believe that hard work, determination, belief in what you're doing gets you to success. And we have not had enough of that uh, because we've had a lot of speculation about what might could happen, what could happen, what won't happen, rather than let's dig in and let's get this work done. Let's do the investigation. And I think, you know, even with what we have been doing, we have not really dug deep enough. I was just in uh, Cyprus. And the Bank of Cyprus is one of the biggest money laundering banks in the world. And Wilbur Ross sat on the board Mm -hmm. of Cyprus. And Manafort 
did business with the Cypress Bank. And I happen to be with the CEO of the bank now when they're trying to clean up their image and all of that. And I had not intended on the trip to get into this. I was just going to, you know, observe. But because we ended up in a friendly conversation at our ambassador's residence, I said, what about Manafort? I said, he did business with the Bank of Cyprus. He said, yeah. He said, it was another branch. I said, well, where are the records? He said, oh, they're in the warehouse. Now, I want to tell you what a real investigation does. A real investigation's got somebody on the ground in Cyprus going into and getting into that warehouse and taking a look at what Manafort did in that bank. So do you have investigators on the ground in no, Cyprus? We don't. No, we don't. Why not? Well, um, we don't because we just not gotten to the point of where we were there, where, that we were understanding perhaps, or we were advancing. And, and, and of course, you know, I had not thought really a lot about being able to get those documents because they're a foreign country Mm -hmm. and we can't demand them. We can't take them to the court system to get them. But it wasn't until I was there uh, that I thought about asking. And, you know, having been there, all, all I've been thinking about is what happens if you, uh, you attempt to get the CEO of the Cypress bank uh, to open up, you know, the warehouse, how would you do that? And of course, I think you have to think very carefully because, you know, from afar, you know, a whole lot of things could happen with it not being done, you know. So you have to think about if you're going to go down that path, how do you get actually get there rather than getting stopped because you make the request? And it is, it's not as simple as I was thinking. Like, you're yes. sitting there with the chairman. <laughs> why, why not just go and say, hey, let's go. Show me where the vault is. Let's go. You can't do that. No, no, that doesn't, like it doesn't get, quite work like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you about uh, the 2020 election. Yes. And just your view, your view of the race. How do you think Democrats will do if the election were held right now? I think that the Democrat that comes out of, uh, you know, the primaries uh, will will beat Trump. I think I think, uh, you know, any of the top three or four can beat him. I don't think the the race right now and the debates are that exciting. I don't think they're that comforting. Uh, but I do know that the um, the goodwill, the the the, the uh, intelligence, uh, the capability is there in our top contenders, and I do believe that any one of the top three or four can beat Trump. Top three or four. <laughs> so okay, so that that's uh, Vice President Biden, Senator Sanders, Senator Warren. Oh, who's the fourth? I don't know. Oh, come on. You got to have somebody <laughs> somebody in mind. You haven't endorsed anyone. I have not endorsed anyone. Who, who's, that fourth, who's that fourth person? Well, it could be Mayor Pete. It could be Kamala. You know, it could be... Um... <laughs> <laughs> of, of, so uh, you, as you say, uh, of, of the four, and the four could be Mayor Pete, could be uh, Senator Kamala Harris from your, yeah, yeah. From, from your state yeah, of yeah. California. Mm-hmm. Who do you think of those four, any any of the four or five could beat could be President Trump? Who's the one who do you I think, think is the one could beat him? I has the, the better chance? I think all of them could beat him. 
I think all of them could be Trump. I really do. Uh, and I'm not paying a lot of attention to the polling numbers, but I am paying attention to all kind of attitudes. And just like I told you about the whisper, you know, I travel a lot and I'm you know, going all over the country. And my son is still a little bit shocked. I get stopped by white men more than anybody else, more than anybody else who say get him, beat him. On the airplane, I take pictures with white men in the airport, you know, more white men than white women. I mean, are you surprised? But you clearly you are yeah, surprised, surprised by that. That's right. <laughs> you can That's see right. the look That's on right. your face. That's right. Like, That's right. I can't believe this. That's right. Um, right. And and are they now? Now let's get in the nitty gritty. Are they older? I just are they came younger? out of South Carolina. I took pictures with white men in the airport, on the airplane. Take pictures with the pilots. Take pictures with you know everybody. You know, well, a lot I mean, of white you men. Are. I mean, no, no, but white is men, a- white men, white men. Because white men have normally been the ones who just couldn't take me. I was just too much. You know what I'm saying? That you're just too much in what way? Too much. I'm too aggressive. I'm, uh, I, you know, I have too black of an agenda. I'm too uh, unpatriotic. Un- they say. I mean, all kind of things. They have, you know, they've threatened to kill me. You know, and all of that. So uh, I am surprised. So now you've got all these white men coming up to you, and 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 did you? Did I hear you when you said they're saying to you, are all of them saying to all you, get get yeah, him? All of them. All of them. Seriously, Chairwoman? Really? Yeah. All of them. All of them. All of them. I've only had maybe one person who said, I respect you, and but I disagree. But all of them. Only maybe one person. And what's their and, and their rationale is I see, I think. And I don't know. I mean, I don't have long conversations with them. The conversations are basically, um, yeah, um, we can't take any more of him. Um, yeah, uh, he's danger. He's a danger to this country. Uh, no, he should not be the. Pre- I think they're embarrassed by him. I think that uh, they do think uh, that. As a matter of fact, here's what I think. I do think that in some of them who may have some thoughts similar to his, particularly when it it comes to immigration, I think that he went too far. And I think that families, white men in families with children, you know, uh, don't like the idea of the children in the cages. I think he's gone too far. Uh, The hardcore uh, white supremacists, they're going to always be with him. But I think a lot of... um, Average, everyday working families and professional families, uh, he's, he's too much. He's gone over the top. Do any of them mention, are they troubled by, say, his attacks on the squad, attacks, on, and before the squad, attacks on you? It seems like he, he always seems to I find have, his... I have some apologies. You know, personal, they'll say, you know, they don't, they don't like what the president said about me. I've not heard, had any conversation with them about the squad. Um, but uh, some of them kind of been apologetic, you know, that he's, uh, he's attacked me. But not a lot of conversation about uh, others. But he's clearly attacked black women. Right. And now I'm getting to the point where are these people troubled by just sort of, I was going to say the racial nature, the racist comments from the president? I think they're embarrassed. Against members of Congress and also even if they secretly harbor. Private citizens. 
Even if they secretly harbor some racist thoughts, I think they're embarrassed by the president and the way that he has been so openly racist. I think that that, that is something uh, that have forced them to have to think about themselves, you know. Yeah. Let me end the conversation where we started, and that's on impeachment. And for those who are listening who are concerned about what this means in terms, not just for the country, but for the party, back to those nervous, those nervous Democrats who might not think that this is a good idea, what would you say to them? I would say to um, the people of this country, whether they are Democrats or Republicans, that this president was taking us down a road where the presidency, the office of the president would be changed, presidency would be changed forever. Uh, what he has done is he has opened up the real reality uh, that the president can get away with almost anything. And if others coming behind him adopt any of the kinds of lessons that he has taught us about how the president can use his power to basically hire and fire, protect himself, get people in offices like the attorney general's office that's supposed to be the people's attorney general that turns out to be his own, protecting him, how he can wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and tweet foreign policy without talking to any advisors, cut deals, that he has changed the presidency. And if we allow him to be in a second term, the presidency, the office of the presidency will be in trouble forever. And I think this is what people have to understand. We cannot afford to have any other president follow this president and, and, and understand that they can use the power in the way that this president has used it. So he cannot be in a second term continuing to exercise that kind of power. It is extraordinarily dangerous. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Chairwoman of the House Financial Services Committee, thank you very much for coming back on the podcast. Well, thank you for coming over. I enjoy talking with you. Thanks for listening to Cape Up. Tune in every Tuesday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And how about doing me a huge favor? Subscribe, rate, and review us. I'm Jonathan Capehart of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ. 